Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pick and Play podcast. And as always, to break down sports, the second part of this gruesome twosome. Leo, how you doing? Man, I missed last week. It, it hurt my heart a little bit to not jump on here and talk some shit with you. But I'm ready today. I think I have the world's largest coffee sitting in front of me. So I'm ready to roll. Let's do this. Yeah, obviously we were on pause from last week. Uh, we both work and life events can get in the way as well. That's going to happen while we're just in the gym working it out. Uh, we're gonna, we could throw one to the side here or there. Uh, not intentional, but life goes on. Um, so today we're going to be breaking down uh, first the COVID covered in the NFL. Then we're going to hit Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football, the marquee matchups, the marquee games, but they're not really marquee this week. Then we've each picked two games that we want to break down and we will finally sweep our way out of here with some NBA talk, uh, which looks to be all Lakers. So let's go ahead and start with COVID. Last week, we had games postponed uh, due to a COVID outbreak in mainly Tennessee. Uh, we saw the Vikings uh, be a little affected, not at the rate that uh, Tennessee seems to be. Uh, but we saw games get pushed back, moved around, kind of reorganized. Um, this week, it comes out that the Tennessee Titans again have another outbreak. It looks like two more positives today. Um, couple that with the fact that the uh, New England Patriots lost Cam Newton for their marquee Monday night game, uh, which wasn't supposed to be a Monday night game. And then uh, Stefan Gilmore has COVID now, uh, and it looks like he will be out for a week or two weeks. So let's start with your Tennessee Titans. What do you do from here if you're the NFL? I don't really know what you do. I mean, unless you want to put the season on pause, I mean, I've seen people floating the idea of the Tennessee Titans just forfeiting wins to, you know, to their opponents as long as they're they aren't getting their shit together. So, I, from the NFL's perspective, I, I really don't know what you do if you don't want to put the season on pause. Maybe you just force the Titans to say, "Hey, uh, we got to play with whoever we have," and then that they're just gonna have to deal with the consequences. Those are really the only two options for me. I mean, from my perspective, you can either press pause or you can tell the Titans, look, you're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, and I, I actually believe that what the NFL should do, I heard this this morning, I really like it. You say, hey, look, here's the deal. Um, you, you're, you X team with the outbreak. Okay, this is your fucking fault. It really is. Uh, we put protocols in place for you to follow. It's not happening to all teams. Yes, some of it could be luck, but they have protocols in place to lock the teams down. Uh, you're being careless, you're, which is what's coming out now about the Titans, apparently, that they held practices outside of the facility, which most likely will lead to fines and possibly suspensions. Uh, but I say, hey, look, if your team has a COVID outbreak and you can't play, it's a loss for you. Now, the team you're playing, they don't get a win just because you were on their schedule. So that game goes as a loss for the would basically let's say the Titans and the Bills play this weekend, but they can't because the Titans COVID. The Bills won't get a win, they won't get anything. They'll continue to be four and out. The Titans will move to three and one and be penalized for the outbreak. I think that's the most fair way I've heard it. It incentivizes you to not if you have an outbreak, attack it and isolate and then continue on as you're supposed to do and not just kind of freelance it. 
Um, the Titans are the only team now that seems to be recurring. Although I will say the Patriots with Gilmore, now we're starting, I'm starting to question what's going on with the Patriots, uh, which, you know, doesn't surprise me that they would try to skirt through rules. But um, I, I, I think that with COVID and, you know, Mike Rabel's from New England too. So yeah, <laughs> that apple probably doesn't fall too far. Uh, but you go, hey, look, we really, really, really need this to be locked down in order to continue. I think the NFL and the NFLPA need to put all the players in um, hotels. I think that's where they need to stay. I think the next thing they need to do is lock these games down to who's interacting with the players and get better testing for everyone on the sidelines. Um, I have liked the mask mandate they've made. Now start finding people draft picks. Uh, I really I really just think that the best way to go about it is say, hey, look, if you can't field a team safely, you lose. I mean, these are billion-dollar organizations with more money than any of us to make this happen, and uh, their failure to do so, I think, should be reflected in the win-loss column. This just sucks as a Titans fan. Like, yep. The team finally gets off to a hot start. Notoriously, this team starts slow, you know, builds up through the season and finishes strong. We finally start strong, and COVID takes us out. Like, come on, man, we can't get we can't catch a break over here. Yeah, I think that um, I just think that a part of it has to be when you're seeing that with the with the Titans, the thing that's alarming is other teams have had positives, but they're able to then isolate the person, isolate everyone around them, and contain it. The problem with the Titans is it just keeps popping up every day. Two more, one more, three more, four more, eight, seven. And you're like, look, guys, what the fuck are you doing? What in right. the fuck are you doing over there? And they're like, no. turns out when they said, hey, facility shut down, they all went and hung out outside. And you're like, you're just not getting it. Like, you're just not fucking getting it. Um, we understand why the NBA and the NHL went to a bubble and the WNBA. By the way, uh, NHL has finished their playoffs, no issues. ML, uh, NF, uh, blah. Uh, WNBA has finished their playoffs, no issues. And the NBA is one game away from finishing their playoffs, no issues. So um, I, I just go, hey, you're staring down the face of what can work and you're ignoring it. So um, I just worry what what precedent you're going to set. And I think that uh, I think that the NFL needs to put his foot down. So let's slide over to the actual games this week that should be played. And let's start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in your, in your town. Uh, and they are going to be actually going up to Chicago to play the Bears. Now, the Bears are 3-1. and one. Uh, They flip Mitchell Trubisky out, which I have no problem flipping Mitchell Trubisky out for literally any other quarterback. I don't care how bad they are. It's not like Mitchell Trubisky is going to win you games. And they flip in uh, Nick Foles. Now, Nick Foles turns out to be about as good as <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, and the Bears stumble last week against a very good Colts team. What are you expecting in this Thursday night matchup? I'm expecting a lot of Tom Brady. Uh, I'm expecting some celebration. I'm expecting some fist pumps. You know, this matchup is between two, three, and one teams. But I feel like one of these teams is more of a three-and-one team than the other, if that makes sense. One of them looks like a real contender at three-and-one, and one of them looks like a real pretender at yep. three-and-one. Uh, so this game is one that I'm going to be looking to see how the Bucks look. 
I'm not too concerned with the Bears and what they're doing. I know they switched to Foles. They still look like ass. I don't really care about the Bears. With the Bucks, I think this is one of those games where you say, if you're a real contender, if I'm supposed to take you seriously, then you should, in theory, go in and slap the Bears up and get out of there. That's what I'm expecting now. I know that their entire receiving room is hurt right now. I think Godwin, Evans, and Scotty Miller all missed practice so far this week. So we'll see which one of those guys actually makes it to the field. But uh, this is one of those games where I'm looking to see if the Bucks have that gear in them to just step on the Bears' throat early and finish them off. I want to see a dominant performance from Brady and co. If, if they're for real. Uh, we'll see, I guess, if they're for real or not. If they lose to Nick Foles and the Bears, then I got to take a step back and really look at them for a second because I'm not so sure about anyone that's losing to that team. Yeah, I, I I think the Colts' defense is really good, and I think that kind of stifles what the Bears were trying to do. Uh, they have been one of the best defenses in the league so far. They, I give the Colts deep credit for that. They do, and I, I'm inter- I think we're starting to see teams take form. Uh, the Colts are going to be not the offensive threat that everyone thought they would be. They're going to be a run-the-ball defensive team, which um, – We'll see how that goes. There's a lot of dynamic teams that do both in the AFC, so it's going to be tough to see where they actually land up. Uh, The Buccaneers, however, Tom Brady looks like Tom Brady. 43 years old, and he is dicing motherfuckers up. Uh, San Diego took a lead on Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay said, just relax, (laughs) and then ended up blitzing them. Um I think with this game, we're looking at the Bears getting four and a half over 44. I think I, I don't I don't really think I have to think too much about this. I like the over 44. Actually, I'll probably end up doing a tease with this game. I'm going to take a six-point tease. I'm going to tease the over down to 38. So over 38. And then I'm going to take the uh, take uh, the Buccaneers plus two and a half. So basically, the Buccaneers to win over 38. Uh, I don't see any way the Buccaneers don't score 28. I don't really see a way that the Bears don't score around 17, and that'll cover. That'll get me to 45, and, and that'll be plenty for me. So I think the Buccaneers are starting to get it going. The one interesting thing about the Bucs is they're now down pretty much all of their running backs. Uh, they what? They lose four. their whole offense is hurt right now. Their offense is pretty banged up right now. Their their big injuries they're looking at is uh, O.J. Howard is now out for the year, which I don't think bothers them at all. I think that's a nothing. I really do. I think Brate can do exactly. Brate's probably a better fix for what Tom Brady wants to do. Um, with that offense, I, I think that Brait runs a better route. I think that Brait uh, is a better blocker. So I think those things are it's kind of what you're looking at for Gronk in his heyday. Now, he's obviously not Gronk. Um, but good. Now, yeah, Bray, I feel like, is underrated nationally. Yep. But here in Tampa, there's a lot of appreciation for Cameron Bray. Yeah, he does the small things, and that's what Brady likes. So uh, LaShawn McCoy, who's uh, nothing but – uh, he looks like he didn't practice. Chris Godwin didn't practice. Leonard Fournette is out. Uh, Scott Miller, Mike Evans. So basically, this is the list of people who didn't practice on Tuesday. Pierre Paul, Gronkowski, Evans, Scott Miller, Leonard Fournette, Chris Godwin, LaShawn McCoy, Justin Watson. So before this game rolls around on Thursday, uh, I'm going to have to keep a good eye on that because I really don't like any of it. And I'm going to I'm gonna have to make a tough decision. Um if, if we come down to just saying, hey, look, uh, the entire offense for the Patriots is uh, for the Patriots for the Tampa Bay Bucks is out. And that might that might lead me to just go, hey, I'm going to take 
uh, a straight play on the Bucks at minus two and a half. That may be the best bet. But we're gonna for this game, keep an eye on who's available. Minus four and a half. Um, so I, I, I'm not really seeing anything that jumps out at me. Uh, just keep an eye on the injury report. And also, if look, you're looking at that yeah. over, then the injury report is going to be very important. If, if the Bucks are without Godwin and, and Evans, I don't like it at all. Yeah, and here are the injuries for um, the Bears. Uh, Khalil Mack was limited in practice, but he did practice, so uh, that shouldn't be an issue. And besides that, that's it. Uh, on no new injury so the bears are at least healthier this will be game two in their offense uh and we'll see what kind of goes i think matt Nagy was on the hot seat for a little bit um especially after how that game turned out but hey, hey do you want to detour real quick and talk about first coach fired i can't believe this i can't believe this i can't believe it i can't fucking <laughs> believe it bill o'brien's the first coach fired not adam gase not adam gase how is that possible? Like, Bill O'Brien. I think in our off-season pod, we said that we like Bill O'Brien to get fired, but he had too much power probably to get fired. Yeah. We were wrong. <laughs> we were wrong. Um, and, and look, I'll tell you this. Uh, if you're a Texans fan, uh, if you're a Texans fan, be super thankful. Be thankful. Your ownership said, hey, we have to make a decision here. What's crazy to me is Bill O'Brien won a playoff game last year. Basically goes through a murderer's row to start this season, and then they pull the plug. Adam Gase, meanwhile, can't win a game, and the Jets' leadership's holding on to him. That's how you know your team will be bad for a long, long, long time, is when you stare down the barrel of a problem and refuse to address it. At least the Texans had the wherewithal to pull the plug. I can, I, I am, I am at a lot, like, when you watch that Thursday night football game uh, between Denver, Denver, a banged up Denver team, and the Jets, and the Jets are calling timeout down two scores while the Broncos can run the clock out even with the timeouts. And the, the, the Jets are just calling timeout after timeout to extend the game for no fucking reason other than Adam Gase being a complete prick. The Jets routinely got roughing the passer calls uh, because they were playing dirty, which is Greg Williams. Who Greg Williams, just a recap of the toxic, toxic, toxic man that he is that brings I no leadership. I think you can just say Greg Williams and we all understand. God, just a, a huge... Uh, you have him on recording saying to kill Frank Gore's head. Kill Colin Kaepernick's head. Break their legs when they're in a pile. Gouge their eyes. Twist their ankles. This is the this is who you've assembled, New York. You've assembled Adam Gase, who we're going to now add Robbie Anderson to the list of players that have flourished when they've left your team. Robbie is, Anderson looks great without Gase. Name a player. They all look great without Gase. And so you go, oh, you know what? I guess after that Thursday night debacle, staring down a long extended week where we could put in a new head coach, what you've decided is essentially there isn't a single single representative on the Jets team that's fit to lead. That's what you've said. We can't fire Gase. What, are we going to put Greg Williams in? That man's an animal. What, that's it. They, the Jets are so bad right now that they don't have anybody with any discernible leadership qualities. 
that you would move into that position. So I lose that bet. Um, I had $200 bets. I had one on Matt Nagy as a kind of a long shot. And then I had one on Adam Gase, which I thought was was safe and mathematical. Um, I lose both. Uh, so fuck you, uh, New York, you fucking idiots. Um, you fucking suck. If you're a Jets fan, go fuck yourself. And because um, you're you're bullshit too, and you're part of the problem. And then Matt Nagy survives because of a terrible early schedule. So I lose those two. Uh, and you know what? Props to the Texans. Uh, congratulations, you did something smart. While everyone else stood around and did the stupidest thing imaginable, you did something smart. So I, you know, you don't get credit for turning Bill O'Brien loose on your whole organization. I really think you could have said, "Hey, Bill O'Brien, you're the head coach, but we're bringing in a GM." I think that would have worked out fine. Um, but you just go full Monty and cut bait. So I lose those two bets, and fuck you, New York Jets. If you're the Texans now, you're sitting there at 0-4, and you no longer have your head coach GM. You just pack it in for the season. Say fuck it. Let's let's get a top five pick and go from there. Or how do you approach the rest of the season? Um, at 0-4, I feel like you, you're kind of done unless you go on a huge run. There's an extra. There's an extra playoff spot this year, so I don't think it's it's necessarily you're completely eliminated. Um, here's what you're really up against, okay? Uh, the your own division has a three and O Tennessee team that honestly may never play another game this year. So the Titans might eliminate themselves. Uh, you have the Indianapolis Colts at three and one, um, and, and here are your playoff teams. Then you'd say, hey, we got to get back in the mix. The Patriots are two and two. Uh, you're fighting for you know Cleveland's three and one, Pittsburgh's three and zero, Baltimore's three and one. Tennessee and Indy three and zero, three and one. Kansas City's four and zero, and Vegas is two and two. You got to feel like you you have the ability to catch Vegas there and take that take you know at least get in the race. Um, I, I don't think you throw the season. I think you have got to give it a run. You have Deshaun Watson. Uh, yeah, um, Deshaun Watson. I think your biggest problem is this: you don't have the talent. <laughs> you d- losing DeAndre Hopkins and subbing him in with a bunch of C plus players turns out isn't the fucking save. So uh, the problem with the Texans is their void of talent. So I, I don't really think, I think for the rest of the year is you, you try as hard as you can. I don't think you're going to be, here's the truth, I don't think you're going to be able to keep up with the patheticness of the New York Giants or the New York Jets. Those two teams are horrible, 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 horrible teams uh, with no upside whatsoever and zero talent from the coaching's perspective and with the product you put on the field. So um and just to give you an idea of how inept the New York Jets are, uh, that offense has 65 total points this year. Um, that's fewest in the league by almost two touchdowns. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, I've, I've forgotten about the other New York football team. Uh, the New York football giants have 47 total points, um, which is Yikes. 47, which is almost 40 less than another team outside of New York. Just to harp on uh, the New York hate here, the two bottom teams in the league in terms of passing, and we're talking yards here and touchdowns, are the New York Giants and the New York Jets. Yeah. <laughs> they are tied, or no, I'm sorry, the Giants are the worst passing offense in the league right now, followed by the Jets, closely followed by the Jets. And I, I want to tell people that the only reason why they're not both the worst at either is teams just pick one and then shit all over them. So they go, today we're going to run the ball. 
And the Jets go, okay. And then that's the end of it. And then the other side goes, okay, well, I'm going to throw the ball. And the other New York team goes, okay. And they let them throw the ball all over them. Neither one have any, any, there is not a single shred of hope that the Jets or the Giants can be a contender for the foreseeable future, not just this year. Uh, they just they just don't really have anything going for them. And they're poorly run organizations. And poorly run organizations just don't get better. That's that's the bottom line. Um, I read a stat this weekend that, like, Cleveland uh, won, like, back-to-back games for the first time since, like, 2011. What are you, what are you 10 seasons? You haven't won back-to-back games? Um, Cincinnati just had a stat where they went back-to-back weeks where they didn't lose – so they tied one week and won the next. And that's the first time since, like, I think, again, it's back into, like, uh, the you got to go into the heyday of Marvin Lewis and the Bengals, like, seven years ago. So it's just a it's just a pathetic fucking group of teams at the bottom. And they stay at the bottom for a reason. They're poorly owned. And when you're poorly owned, you're poorly operated. Um, and it doesn't matter who you put in. Guess what? When the chuckle fuck at the top who can't make decisions, who isn't intelligent, when he hires a coach, guess what happens? He hires a coach who's a chuckle fuck who can't make good decisions and isn't smart. And, and then they can't identify what's going wrong. So they sometimes they hire a snake oil salesman like they did here with Gase who sells them all these other lies when you can't find a single statistic that says that Adam Gase has done anything good. I mean, you, if you're a Jets fan, you got to be longing for the Rex Ryan, Mark Sanchez days. Longing, like a look back with absolute fondness and adoring. Um, but here you are today. You know, impressive, very impressive. Yeah, I'm looking through these stats as we're going through this. The Giants have scored three total offensive touchdowns this year. Yeah, yeah, three, three for the year. And I want to, I want to put something out there into the world. Um, running backs don't matter. And they don't. And I can prove it with one team. I don't need to go any further. Um, how many games has Christian McCaffrey missed? Uh, two. Ah, okay. What are the Panthers' records in those games? Are they 2-0? They're 2-0. So the Panthers lose undoubtedly their most talented offensive player. And in return, they... Hey, Mike Davis has been looking kind of good, though. It turns out that running backs just look good. It turns out if you block for them... And you have a passing game that doesn't put nine in the box? Wow, it's a crazy fucking idea, but anyone can run. Do you know who the most efficient running back is right now in the NFL? Uh, based on EPA, which is, uh, what is it, uh, estimated points added? Uh, so as, how, as of this season? Yes, it's not as Cordero this Patterson, is it? No, it's Gus Edwards of the Baltimore Ravens. Gus Edwards, okay. I know that I saw a stat that saw that said that Cordero Patterson is one of the most efficient runners in NFL history. Yeah, because he put him in only in certain positions, and he does only certain things, and he does them well. Gus Edwards comes in at the end of every end of every Ravens game when they're looking to run the clock down, and he runs for ten yards a clip. Gus Edwards. Who? Can you tell me, give me a, a quick 30 seconds on why the hell Gus Edwards isn't featured more? Because every time I see him, he's he's gaining yards. Like you said, every time I see him in the game, he's getting eight yards. He's getting seven yards a pop, ten yards a pop. Why isn't he involved more? The most athletic out of the group is J.K. Dobbins. Uh, the, the best all-around player is Mark Ingram. And the best bruising back is Gus Edwards. So... You bring Edwards in after a long game of getting run on, 
and you bring in basically essentially fresh legs and a hammer and he just crushes you at the end of a game so it's I see. so edwards is like your mariano rivera type. he's the like closer you bring him in at the end and he just closes it out for yep. you you're not gus edwards isn't someone who's going to blow by you gus edwards is going to run through you hard north south runner like a jamal lewis type a hard north south runner doesn't really go east west jk dobbins matches that ray rice mold uh you see it he's low to the ground his balance is superb he also wears 27 um and he can catch the ball to the backfield jk dobbins is someone that'll get more and more involved in the offense as the year goes mark ingram does everything well runs well blocks well jk dobbins still has to learn those things so gus edwards comes in when we say guess what we're gonna do we're gonna run the ball down your fucking throat and the other team goes prove it they go no problem and they sub gus edwards in and they run the ball down your fucking throat so uh it's it's a lot of scheme it's a lot of hey look we're not trying to do anything but run the ball right at you here um and it's successful to close games out so that's why Gus doesn't really get all the other carries. Is he's not as versatile in passing games, in blocking situations. He's just a really solid, straightforward north-south runner. Okay. I would like to see Gus Edwards, and I'm sure we're going to see it in the next year or two, but I want to see him on another team where maybe he's getting 15, 16 touches a game. Yeah, you're just never going to see that in the Ravens' offense. You just right, not, like, right. Like, I mean, I figure that Gus Edwards and maybe not Gus Edwards, but Mark Ingram's definitely going to be gone soon. Yeah, I, I would just like to see Gus Edwards with an expanded role. Yeah, you're just like I said. You would need injuries. The Ravens still have a running back, Justice Hill, with his like a he's like a scat back. But I um, like Justice Hill. He can't see the field ever, but I like him. Right. And so, you know, that's it. They have talent. And this this goes to the point of you don't need to pay running backs and running backs don't matter uh, because you don't scheme for someone like Saquon Barkley any more than you do the next guy. The problem with running backs is you're, you, you, you don't address them the same way defensively that you would like a top wide receiver who you may get your best corner. And normally top wide receivers, uh, they don't get doubled a whole lot. What happens is, uh, and I, I heard this from Michael Lombardi, who helped build the Patriots dynasty, and it comes from Bill Belichick. You don't put, uh, just to give everyone some, some background on like defense, you don't put um, your best, you, you, you don't always put your uh, best, like your best wide receiver gets double coverage. What happens is if you have a lockdown corner, your lockdown corner goes on him. And then your number two gets fucking, not double coverage, but may get shadowed. So, or you may go, hey, we don't have that number one. So we're going to put constant double coverage on, um, and it's not so much double coverage, but it's shadowing them. Uh, you know, your number one, and then your number two is going to get our best guy. So defenses attack at one of two ways. If you have someone that can line up and man-to-man them, you put them on them. And you shut him down. Uh, that happened a lot. Uh, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the name. Hayer Alexander um, from Green Bay was on Calvin Ridley all game. Calvin Ridley gets zero catches. Okay, so now what happens is the number two guy for Atlanta, he gets the double. So now they've taken away your number one and number two options. And and now the, you see Atlanta's offense completely stagger down. Um, right. Yeah, you did see it because Russell Gage didn't give him much. Ridley didn't give him much. And no. Julio... 
Julio gave him a little bit, but then left with injury. Then left with injury, right? So that's the real sign of a number one. Can you beat their number one corner? Uh, and so that, that kind of goes through. Uh, now, when it comes to a running back and what you're trying to do defensively, you're, you're mainly trying to block the schemes, uh, block. Uh, you're trying to, uh, however the offense is going to set up and block, zone blocking, run blocking, where they're pulling, whatever they're doing, you're going to try to match that. That'll cut the running back down. You don't go, hey, I'm going to ship double coverage on a Saquon Barkley while he's in the backfield. If he doesn't come out of the backfield and stays as a pass blocker, I just lost two fucking defenders. So you just don't defend running backs the same way, which decreases their value. You don't have to spend the manpower on it. You don't shadow the running back like that. Um, your, your linebackers have them. That's the whole point. So you, the reason why it's, oh, these bell cows can make plays, uh, sure, they can, but it turns out it's a lot easier to gain a 20-yard ball through the air casually than it is a 20-yard run by Saquon Barkley. If you block it right, anyone will get those 20 yards. So um, it's just not as big of a deal. Uh, it, it, I'm not saying that you know the, the leap between Christian McCaffrey and the next guy is small. I'm saying from a talent perspective, it's large. But from, an, from a points-on-the-board perspective, it's not as big as everyone thinks it is. So the Giants— So when you look at—you uh, got me thinking here, and I know that we kind of got off topic here a little bit, but when you look at someone like James Robinson in Jacksonville, is that the kind of situation you're seeing there where they let Fournette go and they, they go, hey, if we block for this guy right here, this undrafted rookie, we might get the same result. And they're actually getting better results in my opinion. But is that kind of what you're seeing from Jacksonville? I mean, Jacksonville kind of the same thing. Jacksonville said, look, I, it's not, we're going to draft a talented athletic guy to run the ball. Now, is that the difference between, um, I mean, another good example of this is you can look at Houston and Derrick Henry's pretty much been held to nothing. So uh, he gets going at the end of games, but they're really winning it with Ryan Tannehill. Um, you, you, Jacksonville Jaguars said, look, we can't get anything for Leonard Fournette from a trade value. We don't really think we're any worse or better with Fournette. Um, and it's something I have to remind myself of every year when someone goes, oh, the running back goes down. I go, uh, does it fucking matter? I mean, it may actually help the offense because instead of you trying to get the ball to your best weapon, you spread the ball out more and become more unpredictable. So the Jack the Jaguars have a ton of problems. Getting rid of Fournette and going with the undrafted rookie, you know, it's 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 it it, it really means nothing. Would they have any more wins with Fournette? No. Um, <laughs> you know, so no, it's I like, might argue that they might have less wins. James James Robinson actually looks pretty good. Right, and so like, we just talked about Gus Edwards. Who? Not Mark Ingram. Not not J.K. Dobbins, the person you spent a second-round pick on. Gus Edwards. So, you know, it's just this, don't don't put all this value in the fact that someone's, now if someone's without all their running backs, there's a problem. But if you're down your first and second guy, I don't know if it matters that much. The Cleveland Browns lost Nick Chubb in that game. Kareem Hunt turned around and had himself a day. Uh, and, and, and they're going to be able to run with whoever because when you block it correctly, you end up with big gaps that anyone can fucking run through. So they're just not that important, and, and I don't put too much stock into them. And look for people to panic when they when running backs go out, and it's opportunity for you to make some headway when, when it comes to gambling. 
Yeah, and a quick shout-out to the Browns' third-string running back who came in and gave them exactly what Hunt was giving him, Dearness Johnson. He's a USF guy. Go Bulls. I just had to give him a quick shout-out. Yep. Go Bulls. <laughs> You're, I mean, you guys are coming up with some with, with a decent amount of talent that plays in the NFL right now. So, yeah, there's a few NFL players, yeah. a few starters in yeah, the NFL few starters. from USF. They can't seem to get the football team right, but you know, a couple prospects have come out of there. A couple prospects. All right, let's flip over to the Sunday night game. Um, and then we'll do the Monday night game, we'll, we'll, and then we'll get in some in-depth. Uh, we, we, we look at the Sunday night game, and it's Vikings versus Seahawks. The Vikings are desperate at 1-3, and three, um, over under 57. Uh, I, I'll tell you this. I think Seattle is cooking, cooking right now. I'm a little disappointed how they showed up in Miami, but I'll, I'll chalk that up to Miami being well-coached. Um, I think that this is a game Seattle could just absolutely lay the wood to the Vikings. Seattle minus seven. I don't really have much more to offer than Russell Wilson's playing the best football of his life. He's already been a, a he's already been a Super Bowl winner and went to another Super Bowl. So if he's playing better than he's ever played, I believe he is. And I, there's not much more thinking I have to do about this. Seahawks minus seven. Uh, take it against the Vikings. I think that it's funny, and I agree with you. I have the Seahawks. The Seahawks beat the Vikings last year, 37-30. These are similar teams, and the Vikings are a little worse on, well, a lot worse on defense. But I think it's funny that the Seahawks have the number three offense in the NFL and the worst defense in the NFL, and they're sitting here at 4-0 because yep. Russell Wilson is a wizard. He can do whatever the fuck he wants out there, and that he has been doing whatever the hell he wants out there. And I just think it's funny that with the worst defense in the league, you're sitting at four and zero. Yes, because if you score more points than them, you win. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> right. it's a funny little strategy. And the other thing is they haven't. When we talk about running the ball and controlling the clock a little bit, that's the thing. The Seahawks don't really need to do that. They could score points. They really need to play a team that can put up points but can do it in long drives. Essentially, you need a team like the Vikings to come in. Vikings don't have the defense to pull this off. But you got to hit them in the mouth, go, hey, look, score 7 nothing off the bat. And Seattle goes, no problem. We're good at that. 7-7. Seven, seven. The other team goes, no problem. Long drive again, 9 minutes off the clock. And this was where running the ball helps. Now it's 14-7. Okay, Seattle, what game do you want to play now? You want to go fast again? Go fast again. You go fast, you make one mistake, you don't get you you punt. Well, you could be looking at 21 to 7. And if you can run the ball successfully on Seattle, which everyone can do, and throw the ball successfully, it's really about ball control now. Keep it out of Russell's hands, keep his opportunities low. Uh, we saw that a lot with the Patriots on Monday night against uh, Kansas City. That defense did an incredible job holding down Kansas City's offense. Um, and their offense had long drives that, at the end of the day, it's really funny to watch the Patriots struggle with bad quarterbacks. Because if Cam Newton doesn't fucking end up in their lap, and, and shame on uh, so many NFL teams for that. We talked about two of them earlier being in New York. Um, you basically turned around, and, and that this is who they'd be this year. An incredibly schemed up team that's coached incredibly well. That at the end of the day, if you don't have the talent to execute, you still can't get it done. Uh, but that's what you need to stop the, Vic the Seahawks. I don't think the Vikings have any of that. I think Seattle's going to just nuke them. 
Yeah, I could see Seattle winning by double digits here. Uh, I think we have seen some life from the Vikings. It's not like they're dead. I don't think they're as bad as one in three suggests. But all of that being said, I expect Russell to come in here and give us another four-touchdown game, some ridiculous like that. They hang 30, and they win pretty easily. The other thing about having the worst defense in the NFL, and while Seattle's defense is horrible, it is tough to put all that on the defense when the offense goes out and scores 38 and the other team has to then try to get yards. So it's I don't think Seattle's defense is nearly as bad as it's saying, but I don't think they're good. I just think they're clo- they'd be closer to like 18 than 32 if the Seattle Seahawks weren't just trying to nuke everybody through the through the air. Okay. Uh, I'm not mad at that take. I feel like I've seen them get beat through the air pretty much every week pretty consistently. But like you say, when Russ is scoring as many points as he is, I guess that kind of forces the other team's hand to try and air it out. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think I think it you know Seattle also doesn't run the ball to draw the clock down so they go oh hey we scored seven in two minutes well the defense that's not very good is gassed it's just one of those things where the offense can help the defense by giving them a break um, Seattle has no interest in that they're going to continue to run through and I don't really think they have anyone in that division that's going to oppose them uh, let's flip to the Monday night game uh, we have Chargers Saints uh, Justin Herbert looks good uh, a lot of quarterbacks look good. A lot of quarterbacks look horrible after one start. Justin Herbert at least ends up on the side of, hey, this guy actually looks pretty good. Uh, Saints are minus seven and a half. Uh, I'm not sure I follow that. I like the Chargers plus seven and a half. I like the Chargers defense. Um, the thing about the Chargers defense is they can get after you with four and they can drop everyone back in coverage. Um, they're not particularly X's and O's coached well, the Chargers. Uh, but I think that they have a lot of talent, and from just that standpoint alone, they're going to be able to keep up with the Saints, where I like this hook immediately. I like the Chargers getting 7.5. This is one of those games that I am probably not going to be betting. I'm just going to sit there on my couch and watch it and enjoy it. Uh, Drew Brees hasn't looked that great so far this season. I know last week was sort of a, you could call it a mini bounce back. He still didn't look like Drew Brees to me, but this is you know, this is a matchup that I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be investing any of my money into. Uh, I just want to see if Michael Thomas is back, and if Michael Thomas is back, then I'm a little more interested to see what Brees looks like. Uh, like you say, Herbert looks good so far, uh, but. Uh, actually, I, I, let me give Herbert a little more credit. I think that he has the Chargers passing offense looking a lot better than it would have under Tyrod Taylor. I know Keenan Allen is probably ecstatic that Tyrod's not back there uh, because the Tyrod's skill set doesn't really match Keenan Allen's. Justin Herbert is letting that thing fly back there. Yes. He's launching bombs. He's got a cannon of an arm. And, you know, that's overall that's good for the Chargers offense. It's good for the receivers because Tyrod – He's a little bit of a, a check down guy. You know, he's, he's not really pushing it down the field. And this man, Herbert, saying, fuck it, I'm throwing bombs. I don't care. Tyrod Taylor, That's... forever, is the man who leads your team to an 0-3 start and then gets benched. Now, I understand that somehow the Chargers doctor threw a needle into his lung. Punctured his lung. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, it turns out the Chargers have, like, the most injuries in the NFL every year. Maybe get your quack fucking doctor off the squad. Um, but, yeah, punctures his lung. I get it. 
sucks. Uh, but it's not like Tyrod Taylor's destiny was anything other than how it happened. Like uh, Tyrod Taylor's destiny of, hey, I got supplanted by the first round quarterback the team took. That is a tale as old as time. <laughs> I wonder if he signs his contract with like the agreement. Yeah. Like, hey, like we're, we're going to give you five of these things and then we're going to have to go ahead and put the rookie in. And he goes, OK, just give me my give me my 10 million. Yep. I'll be good in practice. I'll be a great leader in the locker room. You know, I'll 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 be here early. I'll stay late. I'll be I'll be a great presence. And you go perfect. I will pay you to be a great presence for the rookie quarterback that will undoubtedly take your job. And he goes, "Fuck it. I'm an NFL quarterback. <laughs> Fuck it. What what am I complaining about?" So, hey, if I'm Tyrod Taylor, I'm hitting the medical staff with the biggest malpractice lawsuit that I can <laughs> that I can conjure up with a lawyer. How yeah. you gonna puncture my lung and it caused me to lose my job? I know. Yeah. I mean, like you say, he was gonna lose his job either way. But the uh, the punctured lung accelerated that process a little bit. I'd yeah. be pissed if I was him. Who knows how many of those opportunities you're gonna get in the future? No, I, I don't. I you know I would agree with you, except when I look right now at the standings and I say, who is gonna sign Tyrod next year? I see a Jets team. I see a Giants team. I see Jacksonville potentially. Um, ooh, Vegas, if they move on from Carr, draft a quarterback. Um, I, I think that Tyrod will continuously get Washington Football Club. Um, there are Detroit, uh, Minnesota. Uh, you, there are just a lot of teams that could go in a different direction and bring Tyrod in for one year. So while this may be the end of the road, let's not act like Tyrod Taylor was a world-class quarterback that set the world on fire and should have gotten any of these opportunities to begin with. That's actually a great segue into a question I wanted to ask you. Uh, did you see the news about Dwayne Haskins? Yes. What do you think about Kyle Allen coming off a season where he was not good for Ron Rivera in Carolina, now getting the quarterback Ron Rivera's Washington football team? Because I, I honestly, you you know that I'm not a huge Dwayne Haskins guy. I'm not a big fan of his. But if Kyle Allen is the alternative, bro, give me more Dwayne Haskins. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, uh, Kyle Allen's pathetic. Pathetic. I can't even believe that they would bench Haskins. Now, I think ha I think the biggest problem, really, truthfully, is that Dwayne Haskins is showing zero of the leadership qualities outside of the field. Um, I think that's the biggest problem. This could be a message they're sending. Ron Rivera isn't going to bench him for no reason. I, I do. I really do believe that whatever Dwayne Haskins is doing behind the scenes is what's driving this. Uh, this bubbled up a lot last year when they had leadership who leaked things, that Dwayne Haskins was always the last one in the locker room on game day. Dwayne Haskins never stayed late, never practiced early. Uh, we saw it in games. Dwayne Haskins didn't even pay attention on his first opportunity to win a game and didn't take the kneel down. They had to send Case Keenum in to take the kneel down because Dwayne Haskins was taking selfies with fans. Uh, this is a man who has n not demonstrated at any single point in time that he's ready and capable on a mature level to lead an NFL team. And I would bet that while Kyle Allen, has zero talent. Um, Dwayne, uh, Ron Rivera and his time, which has got to be stressful on him, you know, mentally, he's going, look, um, I need a leader. And you're not being a leader. You're not here 
You're not someone the team looks up to. The quarterback has to work harder than everybody else. And if he's not, it shows. So I think that's what you're getting, truthfully. Uh, I think uh, Dwayne Haskins doesn't really want to play in the NFL. Uh, He likes the idea of making money and the fame and notoriety that comes with it. But when it comes to going, hey, your ass has got to be up at 5 a.m. and in the facility at 5.30 to start breaking down film to get better, he goes, I'll be there. When does practice start? And they go, well, practice starts for everyone else at 7. And he goes, all right, I'll see you at 7. And Ron Rivera goes, that's just not going to cut it in the NFL. And it's not like Dwayne Haskins was fucking doing great shit. Okay? He holds the ball too long. He makes dumb decisions. Um he needed more time to develop i get it he said two head coaches and it's a revolving cast there but what did we say about bad teams staying bad um and this is another reason why bad teams stay bad if you had you know tyrod taylor could be on this team next year look at this point if alex smith is perfectly healthy just start alex smith like fuck it make him comeback player of the year give him one start comeback player of the year period let him start but kyle allen kyle fucking allen is your answer I don't know what the question is. Yeah, I would have is. been down for some Alex Smith. You know, if I'm if I'm the Redskins and I have to sit down Dwayne Haskins, I, I would have been cool with some Alex Smith. But Kyle Allen, like, bro, just give me more Haskins. Yep. Don't don't play with me with Kyle Allen. Yeah, so apparently Haskins is third on the depth chart, so if Kyle Allen gets hurt, Alex Smith will take the reps. Wow, so they're done with Haskins. That's what it looks like. Done. Wow. If I mean, the, I always thought that the Redskins were a candidate to end up with a top three pick and end up with yep. Lawrence Fields or, or Trey Lance anyway. I just didn't think that four weeks into the season, the Haskins things, thing would be over. Yeah, and, and really, they're just a, it's just a bad team. So, they, you know, if you want to blame Haskins, but to bring in Kyle Allen is, is fucking crazy talk to me. Uh, all right, let's break down a couple NFL games, and then we'll – we will get out of here. And actually, I'm going to forego one of the games I had on my list um, because I want to break down uh, a different topic. But let's start. Uh, I, I want to get into something I've noticed from watching some film uh, about, and we're going to go to the Ravens-Cincinnati game, which is 1 o'clock on Sunday. The Ravens are minus 13 versus the Bengals. Um, Joe Burrow... Uh, I, I, he doesn't have the zip I thought he'd have on his football. Um, it may be that he's a little tentative with his throws, which could happen, right? Uh, he's not sure, uh, and he's tentative. But there are a lot of balls he throws downfield that don't have the zip to get to the open man. The man's open, the ball's thrown, the ball doesn't get there on time, the defender makes a play. I'm seeing that routinely. Uh, there's actually a small group of analytics people on Twitter calling him Baby Arm Burrow. Um, and it, <laughs> Baby Arm Burrow. Yeah, oh, man. Uh, look, I know. I think that's a little too ruthless for someone who at least mentally makes the right decisions on the football field. But you watch him make some of these throws, and he, he can't push the ball downfield. I'm interested on in how that's going to work with the Ravens and that offensive line. Uh I think this is an absolute slaughter. Uh, I will say this. The Ravens offense hasn't been the team they were last year. They look shook right now. Um, I know they're still scoring above 30 a game, and that's a fucking crazy thing to say. Uh, But I'm not seeing an offense that's gelling nearly at the rate that they were last year. Or for the first game of the season. First game of the season, they looked like the regular Ravens. 
Um, and then against the Texans, they slowed down a little bit. It could be the offensive lines dinged up. I don't think that's something that Cincinnati is going to be able to take advantage of. I think this is another whipping that the Ravens probably win by anywhere from 14 to 28 points. Uh, but something to keep an eye on this game. The Ravens offense has done things in mass, huge plays. We haven't seen any of those devastating back-to-back you know, eight-yard drives, uh, eight-play drives where they score a touchdown. Um, Their defense still looks great. But from Burrow, I really want to see what his arm looks like uh, zipping the ball downfield. Uh, Last week, he went 25 for 36 for 300 yards and a touchdown uh, and an interception that was against the the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. But uh, I I really want to see if he's got zip on the ball, where he's putting the ball, and I want to see if that Ravens offense can can start to put things together. Yeah, I feel like the Ravens have gone from last season, that offense, they look like world beaters. You know, like the only offense that I thought was comparable last year was the Chiefs offense. This season, they look... I, I don't want to like I don't want to overdo it here and say that yeah. they don't look good because they still look good to me. Yeah. They just look more human, you yeah. know. Instead of world beaters, they look like just a good offense. Yep, and, and and you know, it's still an offense that's scored a ton of points, except for the Chiefs game. Uh, but I really right. I, that's I, why I want to be careful with how I word yeah. how I feel about that offense because it's still a good offense. It's, it just doesn't look like oh shit, I'm scared correct. like last year. Yes, and that's the biggest thing for me is when I look at it, I go, you know, I'm just not seeing, um, I'm just not seeing the all around. Uh, they're either running the ball really well on a drive or throwing the ball really well on a drive. They haven't been able to mix those two things yet. Uh, so they've got. They think the scary thing is to say they've got room for improvement, and they really didn't hit their stride last year till week five. Um, and here we come into week five. So we'll see what, what they put together. But so far, they've done successful things, but, but not kind of in continuation. Um, what? Actually, I want to stop you there. Yep. We didn't get a chance to talk Ravens-Chiefs because last week we, yeah. you know, we were caught up. So what did you think about that matchup? You were really excited about it. Yeah. It didn't turn out the way you wanted. But I also thought that it, it – I don't think it was as bad as maybe it may have seemed for a Ravens fan because I, I – from my perspective, I'm watching Lamar lay some balls out there, and Mark Andrews is dropping ball after ball after ball, and so I'm thinking like the Ra- the Ravens could easily have more points on the board right now, but the- Lamar is getting no help from his pass catchers. What do you think about that game? Um, it's it was exact. I I thought nothing of it honestly. Uh, it, unfortunately, it it made me go, hey, uh, that. That that's exactly the same team I've seen now four separate times. I've seen that team four times now. Three times against the Chiefs, once against the Titans. Where they just they just don't. That's it. They just don't. You drive all the way down the field and I, I I'll be honest with you, I was watching with a bunch of lunch people, uh, you know, Andy, my cousin Josh. Um and, and and after that first drive the Ravens drove down the field on a fourth and three and kicked a field goal. And I, I literally looked at everyone in the room and said, That's it. The game's over. There is not a reason to watch another second of this game. It's over. I've seen this team now four times. I saw from the get-go. 
that this should have been an aggressive three points doesn't get a shit attitude. We got to put the ball in the end zone. We're down around the goal line. Let's do this. That's who we were last year. And we lost that we lost that ability right there. We never really we, that's why we looked sloppy the week after. Um, you know, I know it's against the the Washington Football Club who are inept, but it's why we looked sloppy. Um, it's why the offense didn't really look in sync. We lost our identity when we went into that game. I don't know yeah, why. It's funny that you say that because uh, that you say that about the first drive because I, I don't remember who the announcer was calling the game that said this, but as soon as they kicked the field goal, I remember the announcer saying like, "Wow, that's you know that's a spot you normally see the Ravens go for it." Yep. It was just a, I, I thought the same thing. Like, oh shit, that can't be good. <laughs> I, I just thought the same thing I thought when we played Kansas City two other times. Then we played you guys in the in the, uh, the well with different the difference in the Titans games. We turned the ball over nonstop. Uh, in this game, we just took ourselves out immediately from the first drive and say, well, maybe we'll stop them. Maybe this will be a defensive struggle where three points matter. Turns out it didn't. Three points never mattered for a single point in time in that game. So. You cucked yourself right away, and then you were upset when someone else slept with your wife. So, you know, I looked at it and would, no, that, right from the get-go. First drive looked great. Oh, moved through them like butter all the way down. Stalled, kicked a field goal. Okay, game over. Well, congrats. Congratulations. You lost the game in five minutes. And that was it. I never, I never really viewed the Ravens as having a chance in that game after that field goal. Uh, and I kind of, I watched the whole thing and just tuned it out. You know, I went up. There's nothing to learn from this game because you ruined it right off the bat. Okay. I, I'm going to be interested to see if they meet again in the playoffs because, like I said, I thought that there were some opportunities to score points where Lamar's pass catchers let him down. And so I would just like to see the matchup again and see if maybe they don't let him down, see what that looks like at that point. They let him down Martin in the Andrews, Titans game too. Catch COVID. Yeah, but that happened in the Titans game. We dropped six passes in the Titans game. Uh, this is this is just what you see sometimes. The Ravens, for whatever reason, turtle up. I have no fucking re. I have no idea why. Uh, but they got to figure it out, and it looks to be all mental. I'm hoping they can come around. Uh, but you know, they'll probably trounce through the rest of their schedule to the end of the year. And I'm like, that's fucking great. None of it fucking matters. There's only two games I care about: beating the Chiefs and winning a playoff game. Now I got to fucking wait to the playoffs. So, um, my bar can only be dropped. Uh, tough. It's a yep. tough look. Eh, you know, it's what it is. Uh, sports go so, on. So, I had Bill's Titans to go over, but like you, I'm not sure how much time we should spend on this because this game might not actually happen if yeah. the Titans can't stop getting sick. Yep. Uh, assuming it does happen, the thing I'm watching, surprisingly, I can't believe I'm saying this, I'm worried about Josh Allen hanging 40 on this defense. Yeah, like the Titans' defense. Although they're three and zero, this defense has not looked good through the three games that they've played. They've given up chunk play after chunk play, and now they're they have a, a top three passing offense rolling into town. And again, I can't believe that Josh Allen is quarterbacking a number three pass offense right now. But this Bills team, the Titans haven't been able to beat them even before Josh Allen improved. They've lost to this Bills team the last two seasons. Uh, this game scares me, especially if the Titans aren't going to be able to get into the building at all this week due to the COVID test. I'm not feeling good about this. And and I think that if I'm putting money on it, I think the smart money is on the Bills, honestly. 
this this Bills team has a history of beating the same Titans team. We're seeing an upgraded version of that Bills team, and this Titans team can't they can't stop shit. They've been able to score points through their three games, but they haven't been able to get any stops. And so that is something I'm very worried about if this game happens, especially if they can't practice. Yeah, I I, I think that I was looking forward to this matchup a lot. Uh, the Bills' defense is something that I think has been a little lackluster. Um, the offense is very dynamic, and it has been, but again, they still haven't really played anybody with discernible talent. Uh, or that anyone I would call on their level. The, the Vegas Raiders were a good opportunity, but Vegas hasn't been a competing team and won't be until Derek Carr's gone. So uh, I, I think that this was the first real matchup of the, of the tough road for Buffalo that they're heading into. Um, they were supposed to you know, get Tennessee this week. Tennessee was supposed to have Pittsburgh last week. We were going to know a little bit more about the Titans and Pittsburgh, and then we would settle even more with the Buffalo and Tennessee game. But now Tennessee can't seem to get their house in order. And, and at this point, you're staring down the barrel of the Titans season being lost. So um, it, it's an interesting spot to be in. But if the Titans can't control themselves and operate, then I think you're going to look at you, you could look at a situation where the Titans don't get to play this year. <laughs> as crazy as that is. I would vomit all over my kitchen yep. if if their season got canceled, especially after 3-0. Let me tell you this. But, if they were unable, if they were unable to control this outbreak, who's responsible for that? I don't know. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. Because if you listen to Vrabel, it sounds, of course, Vrabel might not give the media the 100% truth but he's saying that for the most part from what he's seen they've been following you know they've been following protocol and and obviously if this many people have tested positive that's probably a lie yeah but I, I don't know who you blame uh, I don't know yeah I guess you would have to blame whoever brought it into the building in the first place yeah I see I would I believe that the organization is run from GM and coach down and if I look around the NFL no one else is having these outbreaks and it's just me I I, I need to seriously do some reconsidering um, I'm not talking about firing any of them but uh, uh, fines or suspensions to get the point across that hey this is fucking serious uh, because right now you're going to be the only team that's dealing with this uh, the Patriots are staring down it but it looks like they've isolated um, but the Tennessee Titans having outbreak after outbreak is something that if this stretches another two weeks, the Titans could start accruing losses because they just can't field a team. So uh, let's slide on. That would on. be such a Titans way for the season to go down. Yep. Uh, you know, and it's got to happen. It's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. All right. Let's let's wrap up our, our, our uh, NFL talk with some MVP discussions. Right now, I'm unable to run from it, but I'm not running from it. I don't really care. Uh, Josh Allen is definitely <laughs> in the discussion. Now, here's the truth. I think Josh Allen on that total list is five. I think your number one is Aaron Rodgers. I think your number two really? is... Really? You got Rodgers number... Okay. I, I mean, the thing about Rodgers is he's doing it with... Uh, he's doing it with... Um, you know, no Adams, no Lazard, no problem. Here's 40 points. Here are his last games. Against the Falcons, he had 80. His completion percentage is 81%, four touchdowns. This season, in the regular season, he is a 70% completion, um, 13 touchdowns, no picks. 
I just think that um, I, I think that his his competition's been up there. Um, the no picks thing is fucking staggering to me. I don't understand. You know, I think number two is Russell Wilson, and we can run through their run through how they how they match up just to, just in bulk terms. Um, Russell Wilson has played New England, so that's a little tougher. Russell Wilson has a 75% completion percentage, which is fucking crazy. 1,200 yards, 16 touchdowns, two picks. Aaron Rodgers, 70%, 1,200 yards, 13 touchdowns, no picks. I think really when you look at it, I'll take the, you you want the three touchdowns or do you want the no picks? I'm going to go with the no picks right now. If Aaron Rodgers can go this season with one or two picks, and throws, I mean, at this at this rate, through a quarter of the way through the season, Aaron Rodgers would be on pace for 52 touchdowns, no interceptions. Now, uh, obviously, that should ebb and flow a little bit. Russell Wilson's on pace for a staggering 64 touchdowns, eight interceptions. So I think the the zero interception mark or keeping it sub three is just staggering. So I'm going to move Aaron Rodgers into my one column. Russell Wilson's my number two. My number three is Patrick Mahomes. My number four is still Lamar Jackson. Uh, And my number five is now Josh Allen. (laughs) I know that hurt to say. Uh, You know, at at the top, I, I would... I would make the argument for Russell Wilson over Aaron Rodgers. Can't argue. Uh, and, I, you know, it's close. Like you say, the numbers are close. Everything is close. The stat that I think is maybe most impressive in terms of Aaron Rodgers' play is that he's only been sacked three times yeah. this season. Only hit the ground three times. That's impressive. And, and I know that that has something to do with the offensive line, but the quarterbacking also has a lot to do with those sack numbers. So yes. that's impressive from Aaron Rodgers. But... The kind of throws that I've seen from Russell Wilson so far this year, he's dropping dime after dime, touchdown after touchdown. He's overcoming the defense, playing like ass, and, and just and running the score up every single week. I, I have to give it to Russell Wilson, number one. I would give Rodgers number two, uh, but I think that that top three, you got to give Josh Allen. I, I think Josh Allen belongs in the top three Why? after four weeks. I think you got to put him there. He's got 12 passing touchdowns, one interception. Yeah, but uh, he's he around play? 71% completion. The percentage. reason why he doesn't make it is his competition's been pathetic. Okay, I mean, but he he doesn't make the schedule. No, I I know that, but I can definitely hold him against it. Uh, you okay. know, this this is the week where I went, this is the stretch where for the Bills I go, here it is. Now he had the good game against the Rams. He did have a good game against the Rams. Um, but my whole thing is this was the stretch where I go, you know, you beat up on the Jets, congrats. You beat up on Miami, congrats. You beat up on the Rams. The Rams are, I don't really think the Rams are going to be anything more 9, 7, 8, and 8 team. I'm just not that big on them. Uh, You beat the Raiders. Again, a lot of people are doing that. Uh, This is the stretch I was very interested in, okay? Tennessee, Kansas City, New England, Seattle. uh, One of the reasons why I haven't completely abandoned the Josh Allen Hill um, is because I won't need to. You're going to go up against Tennessee, Kansas City, New England, and Seattle. That's the four out of the next five. Uh, Josh Allen's MVP race starts right now. If he can win against Kansas City, 
Tennessee, New England, Seattle. He's only got to win three of those. Does not have to win all of them. Then he moves himself up. But we basically get a, a MVP preview with Seattle versus uh, Buffalo. They could eliminate themselves. That That's my whole stretch with Josh Allen. Yes, I think he's been great. I'll tell you this. I still see the stupid fucking mistakes that he made last year. I have not seen a smarter in the moment Josh Allen. I still see him panic and do dumb shit. That has not changed. He did it last week. He does it every fucking week. He still takes sacks he shouldn't fucking take. And he fumbles the ball way too fucking much. Um, so, and, and he's not played anyone with a really discernibly great team yet to stack up. This was the first opportunity. I think the Titans are going to spoil it for us. But across the board, Kansas City, New England, Seattle, those are the next three out of the next four if he doesn't play the Titans game. I don't have to make a decision on Josh Allen. He'll make it for me. I don't have any argument with anything that you just said. I think my main issue was you putting Lamar over Josh Allen in your rankings. I don't think that Lamar's done anything to to, to be over Josh Allen at this point in the season. I know that the Ravens have played the Chiefs, but other than that, they've played a bad Texans team, the Browns, and the Washington football team. Well, the Browns, so I, the Browns are three and one, um, and all right, all right, and, I and, and I understand it, but uh, you know who's a better team this year, the Browns or the Rams? I would say the Rams. Okay, I said I would say the Browns. So that's where we differ. I believe that Lamar's played stiffer competition. Um, I believe that if you put Lamar up against the Jets, Miami, the Rams, and Vegas, which he will get to play some of those teams this year, that you would see uh, you would see kind of the, the diabolical side that's already come out a couple times. He played Houston. They, they, they nuke Houston. They nuke Cleveland. They nuke Washington. Um, they, they get nuked by Kansas City. A lot of teams are going to get nuked by Kansas City. So... Uh, the, the, the Ravens now go up against Cincinnati and Philly. We could be looking at them hitting their bye week at five and one. Uh, one, two, three, four, five and one. Uh, and their one loss being Kansas City. Obviously, they wouldn't have played anybody other than Cleveland that has a winning record. Um, but I'm not dethroning Lamar Jackson because he has one bad game against the Chiefs that he had last year and still went on to be unanimous MVP. And I'm not moving Josh Allen above him because Josh Allen plays the Rams, who didn't make the playoffs last year. I'm just not doing it. So uh, that's kind of where I stand. Um, I'm not dethroning the current MVP four weeks into the season when he's really shown all the same flashes we saw last year. Uh, obviously, I mean, Josh, it's no disrespect to yeah. Lamar, but if we're doing our rankings through four weeks, I feel like Josh Allen has to be over him. Uh, my biggest problem with Josh Allen is his turnover still. Uh, and look, you go back and watch games. You will see throws and plays he makes that are just fucking horrible. They're just stupid, boneheaded decisions that he still makes. Uh, I, I just I, I think he's been a lot better throwing the ball. Um, I look for that to continue against a team that's got a great defense uh, and that can put pressure from both sides. I think the problem with the Rams is I think that offense is very one-dimensional and they're, they're really incapable of... I think this is going to be a team that beats bad teams and loses to good teams. I think the Bills are going to be a good team this year. I just, 
I need to see it for a little longer. And I'm, I know if right now, if you said, hey, pick a player to to be your quarterback for the next 20 years, and you went around the NFL and said Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen, the racist will pick Josh Allen, but everyone else is picking Lamar. So is he more valuable than Lamar? No. And that, for me, ends it. Okay. I, I, I would like to see at the end of the year if their records are similar. I want to see where the numbers stack up. Yep. Because I think it's gonna if if Josh Allen ends up quarterback in a twelve and four team and you know and he continues on the path that he's going and, and let's even bake in some regression because maybe he won't be this fire all year, but you know if the Bills are sitting there at eleven and five, twelve and four, and the numbers look right, it's gonna be hard to get people off of that Josh Allen train. I don't think that that Josh Allen train will really make it out of the station when it comes to the MVP race. Uh, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, are going Aaron Rodgers is going to win that MVP or Russell Wilson is uh, Aaron Rodgers does not play Russell Wilson this year so um, here are the remaining tough games on the Bears schedule here are the remaining tough games they play the Bucks okay that's that that's tough they play the Bucks okay um and they play the Titans in between oh they play the Colts in between that, they're going to play the Texans, the Vikings, the Jaguars, the Niners, the Bears, the Eagles, the Panthers, the Lions, and the Bears. Tell me where, tell me where, just tell me where, that Green Bay doesn't go 14-2. and two. They're undefeated right now. Uh, they've played through the Vikings, which they beat the mess out of, the Lions, which they beat the mess out of, the Packer, the Saints, which they beat up on, and the Falcons, who they beat the mess out of. They're going to get the, they give a bye week now, then they're going to come back and they're going to play the Pack, they're going to play the Bucks, the Texans, the Vikings, the Niners, Jags, Colts, Bears, Eagles, Lions, Panthers, Titans, Bears. Yeah. That's, that schedule is pretty soft. That's the biggest thing is Josh Allen's MVP race might look great, but you. you... Oh, just just to be clear here, I have Russell Wilson in the number one in the driver's seat right now. And look, I just think that Josh Allen deserves to be a little higher on your top five. Uh, if if he if if he beats the Titans this weekend, if they play, and either the other ones slip, I think Kansas City's played. The reason why Mahomes can't be out of the top five is the the schedule Mahomes has played compared to everyone else on that list is night and day. Mahomes has played both New England, New England and Baltimore, and and won both handily. Now I know no Cam Newton, but the, you know there are there are other things coming into play there. So I, I have a tough time with, um, you know, moving Mahomes out and moving anybody else up, and I'm not ready to move the league MVP, uh, reigning MVP down out of the top, you know, out of, out of contention, um, just, just yet after losing one game to the chiefs and winning every other game by 14 or more. So it's early. This is my last thought on MVP in general, but I know it's early in Mahomes' career, but do you think Mahomes could end up somewhere in that LeBron range where every single year we're looking at it like, all right, this guy could be the MVP, but we're tired of him winning MVP. So the MVP is this other guy who might not be as good, but also had a good season. It's possible. The, the problem is LeBron doesn't end up playing. And look, LeBron's not always the best player. Um, now, I think that he is the most, he is the MVP of any team that he's on. I think that you take LeBron off most teams he's on, and they're, they're crapola. 
but a lot of reason is uh, so for the NBA it's an it's an interesting thought because with the NBA you have five players on the court really and you only run to seven to eight in the playoffs so taking out the best guy on a team and then going well how's the supporting cast go well you know uh, he's taking up 33 percent of the payroll so uh, it's probably it's probably not super great uh, there are there are rare cases where like with Golden State did they crapped on everyone. Um, I think there are cases where there can be someone else. Bill Belichick should pretty much almost win coach of the year every single year. But, you know, he doesn't. Um, I think the problem with saying that about Mahomes is Russell Wilson. uh, Russell Wilson's just as good as a passer. Uh, Russell Wilson's a smarter quarterback and just as good as a passer as Mahomes. Um, Aaron Rodgers is the smartest quarterback in the NFL who never turns the ball over ever, ever, ever. Um, and he's got the, he's got an incredible arm as well. So uh, right now, if you were to, and I, I've said this a couple times, if I were to win, need to win one game, I would take Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers over Patrick Mahomes. And that's the biggest difference is you would never take any other NBA player over LeBron James to win you one game. And so while Mahomes is great, he's not, to me, there are there are quarterbacks that you could take over him, and not a I'm trying to draw headlines way that Skip Bayless would do it, that cocksucker, but uh, in a in a way of hey, honestly, look, I got to win one game. I'm giving the ball to Russell Wilson, and everyone goes, "Yep, there's understood." You know, I, I I can't argue against you, and that's where I go. While he could get MVPs or he could not, he wasn't, you know, injuries will happen. It'll take him out. But even this point in the year, he's doing great. He's got 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Russell Wilson has 16 touchdowns, two interceptions, and uh, Aaron Rodgers has 14 and zero. So, uh, and and both of them have higher completion percentages. Um, so, you know, he's he's not right now, to me, the MVP of the league. And it's no disrespect to him. It's just Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are playing the position better. And, and look, Russell Wilson went up against that New England defense and tore it in half. Tore it in half. Uh, we just saw uh, Patrick Mahomes struggle time to time for multiple series against that New England defense. So just kind of in perspective, if I had to win one game, I'm not giving the ball to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I like Russell Wilson too. He's my MVP this year, and he's probably the guy that I would build my franchise around if I had to uh, win a championship, let's say, within the next like three or four years. You know, obviously, if it was a let's build a roster forever until they retire, I'm going with Lamar or I'm going with Mahomes. But if you told me that I had to build a team and win a Super Bowl within the next five seasons, I'm going with Russell Wilson. Yeah, and that's, and that's where I go. That, that's my tipping point. So that's where I move it over. All right, let's slide over to some real quick NBA talk, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah. Your Lakers are on the verge of a three. They're a three-one on the verge of a championship. How's it feel? It feels great, man. And I don't even want to talk about how I personally feel about it as a fan. I want to talk about how this man, Anthony Davis, in my opinion, in the playoffs, has ascended to the number one player in the NBA. It might be a hot take. I don't care. I think that Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis's performance in these playoffs have, in my eyes, elevated him to one or two. The Lakers might have the two best players in the NBA right now, again, in my opinion. This man, Anthony Davis, in the finals, I think is shooting six over 60% from the field, 
uh, over 50% from three and has not missed a free throw yet in these finals. Um, I actually have the exact stats. This is from at StatMuse on Twitter. Anthony Davis is shooting 61% from the field, 55% from three, 100% from the free throw line in this final series so far. That man is fucking insane. He's so good. Yeah. He's so good. Can you make an argument for Anthony Davis not being a top three player right now? Because I don't think you can. He's doing it on offense while locking down the paint on defense. Uh, I just... I want to make it a point to give him his flowers because at a certain point this season, I know that there was some chatter about, is Anthony Davis really a top five player? Is he, did Luca take his spot in the top five? The answer is no, in my opinion. Yeah. So I feel great. I feel great about the Lakers at three, one. I don't expect an Anthony Davis, LeBron James led team to blow three straight games. I think that this championship is in the bag. Um, I won't count my money early just because we've seen 3-1 comebacks in these playoffs, but I don't think the Lakers are built like that. I expect them to take this home in the next game or two. And uh, right now, Anthony Davis is in the driver's seat for finals MVP again, in my opinion. What do you think? I think that uh, Anthony Davis is the finals MVP. Um, I think that uh, I I really... (laughs) I think that LeBron makes all of his teammates better when they're smart and can play within uh, the system that's created. Um, He has undoubtedly uh, pulled enough pressure off AD to just let him thrive in scenarios that he's successful in. AD can create his own shot. I don't think there's a point if you want to say, well, look at LeBron's stats as well, the way he fills up the stat sheet across the board with triple doubles over and over again. Okay. I just don't think there's – I don't see a downside to voting either one. You say, hey, Anthony Davis has been the most – because Anthony Davis' defensive uh, plays are remarkable. But it's not like LeBron hasn't been terrorizing players. Uh, LeBron normally picks one person and just completely removes their soul. Um, he's done it a couple times to Tyler Hero, and Tyler Hero keeps shooting, which – more props, Tyler Hero, but and more props to Hero for standing up there and taking shots. But we're seeing it; he's not shooting the ball well, and he's bull- he bullies people. Uh, it's it's you know dad on son. That's what he's been doing this whole series. What he's been doing the whole playoff run. Uh, the Lakers have two of the top five players in the NBA, and that's that's not debatable. They have Defensive Player of the Year Anthony Davis, who who should continue, who should get it really more credit, and and after this. Uh, after this ring, he's going to get a lot more attention. That'll push him into the upper echelon. Uh, I did bet the Lakers to win in either five or six, so um, I'm right on target. <laughs> I need this game closed out. Right. I want to give credit to LeBron, too, especially last night in game four. Uh, the Lakers at the beginning of the fourth, they just didn't have it. And it kind of looked like Miami was going to make a little run and try to steal game four. LeBron promptly yeah. puts his big boy pants on and says, hey, Lakers, jump on my back real quick. Let's go ahead and take this 3-1 lead. And I've been waiting this whole series for LeBron to really assert himself. You know, like the the counting numbers always look good with LeBron. He's always going to get his 20-some points. He's always going to be around 10 rebounds. He's always going to get close to 10 assists. Like, that's a standard that he set that we've gotten to the point where I expect that from him now. But 
last night late in the game when it kind of looked like Miami had more juice in the tank. It looked like Miami was going to make a run and steal it. LeBron just, LeBron turns it on. He starts getting to the rim. He's getting and one. He's pulling up from three. He's hitting his free throws, most importantly. And so I, I want to make sure I give him his credit. Like LeBron, LeBron and AD, that's 1A, 1B. Yep. I just think for this series and for this playoffs, AD is the one that stood out to me. Like, hey, when, when this guy's on, you can't beat these Lakers. No, and you can't. They whipped their way through the West, and now they're whipping their way through the finals. I know that Drogic is out, and that's a big deal. Um, and props to him for trying to get it going, but you're not going to get it going. Um, the Lakers, honestly, I, I, I don't 100% know what the stats say, but I thought they shot like shit last night. If I have to see Danny Green build another house on a wide open island, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Um, he just bricks every fucking shot he gets to take. And the other thing is, it's not like they're contested threes. These guys are wide fucking open. The game where they yeah, shoot... Shout out to KCP. Caldwell yes. Pope came up big last night. He hit a few shots and made a few plays that the Lakers desperately needed. Yep. Uh, KCP shot three for eight from the three-pointer. The, the, the Lakers shot pathetically from wide open three land. Um, it looks... Looks like 14 of 39 for the Lakers last night from three. That was about 36%. Yeah, and they were wide open. The biggest thing for me, if you're looking at this from a heat perspective, is you really got off easy. Because if the Lakers were hitting open threes, you lose this game by 20. Uh, and, and that's still coming. Like, the Lakers haven't had that game where they're like, oh, we're hitting everything. They, they've been casually winning, and that shows in the final score only beating them by six. And it shows why the Heat were able to kind of stick around in this series. But... Um, the, the Lakers, if they come up into this game five and they're hitting their buckets, this is over. So I think it's over anyway, but uh, the Lakers, I don't think even have hit their final stride. So that's the weirdest part. Um, yeah, I just want to highlight Anthony Davis's impact for the game, for, for game five, or I'm sorry, for game four. Uh, it looks like, and I know that, you know, we don't like plus minus that much because it doesn't tell the whole story. However, it does tell the difference in score when a certain player was on the floor. Anthony Davis with a plus 17 for the game. Nobody else, no other player in this game was in double digits. So essentially, when Anthony Davis was in the game, the Lakers dominated this game. And when he sat down, that's when things got close. Yep. And and I, look, this is the last game. Uh, I think it's the last game of the season. It's remarkable they made it this far. And then here comes the hammer. This is... That's going to be wrapped up. All right. Yeah, I'm going to pop some champagne probably on Friday. Yeah. Friday is game five. Game five, and I get to cash all my Lakers bets in. Uh, both L.A. teams making a run, um, so the Lakers will cash for me at 350. So I'm, I'm in for – I had a bad game in betting this week. I'm still above 500 and everything, so even through a horrible week, I, I survive. Uh, but I think that overall this is uh, – this is a good way for the season to end. Um, and just kind of looking around a little bit, just looking around, you know, Lakers winning, big deal for the NBA. Um, that's one of their historic franchises. So uh, I think I think that's important. And, and meanwhile, in, in baseball, we've got uh, the Yankees 
uh, competing. I don't know how these sports feel about their. I'm sure they would love that their most historic franchises win their rings, uh, but uh, we'll see what happens. Not over yet for the Heat. LeBron came back from 3-1, but, I, I mean, I think it's over. So, All right. Let me give one more yeah, shout-out to LeBron real quick. He goes 10 for 12 from the line last night. I, I'm not an expert on LeBron's stat lines, yeah. but I, I would guess that that's been one of his better free-throw performances on that many attempts. Yep. So shout-out to LeBron for hitting his free-throws because the Lakers needed every single one last night. Every single one. Uh, I think that across the board here it was a great job. Um, by the NBA for putting him in a bubble and getting this thing off, just getting it off. Uh, the NBA season has now gone on for, I think, what was it, 340 days, maybe maybe longer. So the NBA season has really dragged on, and uh, they're going to be starting back up in no time at all. Uh, so That's funny because normally the season would be gearing up right yes. about now. Yep. You'd be in the preseason getting ready to start the regular season in a week or two. Yep. And in a week or two, it'll be ending. I think they're going to kick back up in January. We'll see when they finally get it back rolling. But props for them for actually getting the product off. Uh, thank you for tuning in. You can find me on Pick and Play 37 on Twitter. Find Leo at Pick and Scroll. Uh, you remember, rate, subscribe, review us, and we will bring you more action, more betting, more analysis. Uh, our thoughts, the people's thoughts, the breakdowns. As always, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe.